mean, you've been putting in work for so long. Putting in a lot of work. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Putting in Work, episode 48, and a happy new year to everyone out there. You may have heard my bonus episode this week come out already with Brendan from 8-Bit. Just talking about a new partnership there. If you haven't checked that out yet, take a look through the iTunes feed or the Putting in Work website and you'll find that little explanation of what's happening there. Exciting times indeed. It's only two weeks till the episode 50 mailbag, so get your questions in. I'd love to hear what you have to ask about the show. You did vote for a mailbag over a special guest. So hopefully you can hit me with some interesting questions. The iTunes review of the week goes to Yesert, who says every podcast features an interesting, inspirational, and hardworking guest. A great listen and insight into people who have put in the hard work. Thank you very much. And I will just give a quick plug to my merch, which is up at designedbyhumans.com slash shop slash putting in work. Got a lot of cool designs available, many inspired by nerd culture and hip hop, which is a great segue into today's guest, the one and only Mega Ran. If you don't know Mega Ran, he's a rapper out of the US, heavily inspired by the 80s video games, nerd culture, and he's known for kind of remixing a lot of video game soundtracks and just rapping about his experiences with the things he loves, whether it's Final Fantasy VII inspired album or a song about Stranger Things or telling the stories of Mega Man, which are actually a lot more in depth than the video games themselves. But he's a super talented guy. He was a school teacher and somehow made his way across to the world of hip hop, which is very interesting. I was actually fortunate enough to see Mega Man perform at Kind of Funny Live 3 last year. And this guy's just an entertainer all around. He's a super nice guy, and I will plug some of his sites because instead of the usual wrap-up at the end of the show, I'm going to play one of Mega Ran's songs. It's called Year in Review, and it's basically summing up the year in video games of 2017. You can check out his website at megaranmusic.com. He's Mega Ran Music on Facebook, and you can find him on Twitter at Mega Ran. I'm on Twitter at Johnny himself. And here he is, Mega Ran. Happy New Year. Thank you for joining me, Rand. It's great to finally have you on the show. Thanks for having me, man. I'm glad we worked it out. We, uh, we persevered to make it happen. You're probably in the top one or two hardest people to get on the show in terms of working out timetable. So take that as a compliment because you're so busy. I know. <laughs> you caught me at the tail end of my vacation. Ah. My wife insisted that I take a, a home staycation and uh, just nice. not do anything. And That's uh, good. <laughs> it's been really good. Yeah, awesome. So people who don't know you, I will have already explained by now. You are a rapper, you are a hip-hop artist, you were once a teacher. So I'd like to talk about the transition and how you got into being a professional musician. So can you take me back to your early, I guess, adolescence, adulthood, you were interested in music, but was it that you didn't quite see it as a career option at the time? Well, I was always into it. I just did it in my spare time. So it was weekends or evenings or things like that. And, um, I just gave, I gave it a lot of my time. So even when I taught, I would uh, just, I would do my eight hours of teaching and then I'd come home and work eight hours in the studio, you know, on new music. And that was how albums like uh, Forever Famicom and later Black Materia got created was by basically doing a double shift every day. Hmm. Teaching and then getting home and, and making music. Where did the energy come from for that? Was it just a desire that you wanted it to become more than a hobby, more than a, an interest you wanted? That was you working with intent towards a career or was it just that you loved doing it that much? I think I just loved it that much. Uh, even, you know, before I was able to record professionally or make music sound at least to a level where I was okay with putting it online, it was always a big part of my life. And it just, I think I needed it to kind of keep me going, keep me sane. So it wasn't necessarily that I thought this could be my escape from my dull day job. It was just what I needed to keep going. 
and to keep my dull day job, you know, from, you know, killing me. So sure. it, that's really all there was. It was just a desire to create. And uh, that's really, that's it. Did you work music into your classroom as well? Like as a way to teach? Um, oh, yeah. All the time. Whenever I could. I had some staff members who got a little bit, maybe not upset, but I guess a little bit you know, concerned about the amount of music that went on in my classroom <laughs> when I taught reading and, and social studies, you know, how I was a- always able to associate and find some way to, to fit music in. So they would question that a lot. And I guess you would fire back saying it's a great way to for kids to be engaged and that kind of thing, right? Absolutely. And so instantly they were like, oh, well, they're going to think you're the cool teacher because <laughs> you're, you know, letting them create rap music or you're playing a song of the day and having them respond to music and using call and response techniques from music. And I thought, well, you could do this stuff too. Like it's, it's nothing to it. You could try, you know, and they're like, well, but you already have it. You're, you know, you're the music guy, you know, (laughs) that's funny. So when was it that it really took on a life more than a hobby? Like where you sat down and said, Hey, this thing's getting a bit of momentum. And I can make it into something. Wow. Yeah. I Shoot. I clearly remember it was probably May, early May in 2011, which is the year that the Black Material album came out. So January is when the album came out. And uh, I feel like it, it picked up some momentum over the months. But for some reason in May, it just hit this critical mass where it hit the front page on Reddit. And everyone was discussing the Avalanche hmm. track and how cool this was. And so my phone is blowing up that day at work and people are messaging me. So I couldn't get a chance to check it until I had, uh, I guess, a break time. And when it was time for me to finally break, I was I, I talked to my friends and they're like, dude, you're blowing up. Black material is everywhere. It's on the first page of Reddit. Like <laughs> it, you're uh, like you're you're blowing up. And I'm like, whatever. I have no idea even at this time what Reddit is. So I'm just <laughs> like, OK, whatever that means. And um I go on about my day and then I get all these emails later on in that day from like PlayStation Magazine, from GamePro Magazine, from Game Informer and a lot of other game sites who want to talk to me about the album, you know, and uh, Game Informer did a really cool interview. Uh, PlayStation Magazine did a full page spread on the album. Uh, Nintendo Power, like a bunch of great, you know, magazines were talking to me about the album. At the same time, people are downloading it. People are sharing it and telling friends about it. So I thought I might be onto something. <laughs> and I think that's the seed that really kind of launched this uh, this idea that I could do this full time, you know. And one day I saw it on um, like a chart of hot albums of the month or something like that. I think it was IGN or somebody, and they were like Kanye West and uh, I don't know Lady Gaga and. Mega Ran, Black Materia. And I was like, what? You know? And uh, so really that made me think like, wow, I bet none of those guys are, you know, scrounging and scraping by at a day job. So I'm going to try my best to make this my day job. And so that's when I set things in motion to eventually step away from teaching to make music full time. And what was that transition like? Was it a gradual one or was it one where you had to like jump into the pool and just immerse yourself to, to see if you could go at it? I was ready to jump in all, head first, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, I love teaching, of course, but 
I knew that I couldn't do both. I was getting more requests to play gigs, uh, festivals and things are coming around. March is a really big month for festivals. There's always like South by Southwest, uh, March or April is PAX East and a bunch of other things are happening and conventions everywhere. And so they were asking me to come and play and I had to take more and more days off work. And I realized that I was doing my students a bit of a disservice by not being present. Mm. And so that's when I knew it was time to make a make a decision. And so that's when I wrote and uh, turned in a two weeks notice uh, resignation to my supervisor to let them know that after two weeks I would be moving on and thanking them for everything. Sure. That must have been a really exciting time. Um, I'm thinking when that first Black Materia uh, song took off, was there an element where you thought, oh, it's just a viral hit and it's a novelty factor that people are latching onto? Or did you believe that the kind of music you were making had an audience that could see you through a career? I didn't really know, honestly, uh, but I was excited to find out. I felt like I could always come back to teaching. You know, it was May, so two more months in the school year would have been over and it's time to begin a new school year. So if nothing would have worked out for me, I would have been back in school in September and I wouldn't have had, it wouldn't have been a huge risk to Mm. take. So I I just kind of measured my risk rewards and uh, I felt like it was something that I could try. It hadn't been done before, at least not from the way that I had done it, where someone made some music that kind of went viral or something and then attempted to, as a touring musician, try to sustain that. I feel like early 2010s, no one was doing that. I feel like now it kind of happens every day. Hmm. But um, I, I didn't think that it was possible, but I also didn't see a way that it wasn't possible because it just hadn't been done. So... I know my work ethic and I know that I pour 150% into everything that I'm into. So I knew that I would work hard. So I just wanted to, I was really curious to see how this would, how this would play out. And I didn't want to live with those regrets. So you got to strike while the iron is hot. And uh, it worked out for me because MC Chris then called me maybe a month after that, asking me to join him on a tour. And uh, the tour was like 40 cities throughout the U.S., and uh, I'm sure it was based on the strength of the Black Materia album and the, you know, and the the moves that I was making, you know. And that's how it that's how it happened. If if I had been working traditional day job, there's no way they would have given me two months off to take tours like that. So I was fortunate that I was already in a position where I I jumped off the ledge, you know. And mm. uh, and luckily there was a net somewhere down there. That's awesome. Is the kind of music you're creating that's very heavily influenced by pop culture and I guess nerd culture, is that something that you saw, there's not really anyone doing this, at least not the way that I want to do it. And is that something that you thought could be your thing? You could be the guy for that kind of thing? Or were you influenced by people doing similar thing to what you're doing at the moment? Uh, Well, I think what inspired me to do it and to go fully into it, I'd have to go back to maybe 2005 when I heard um, a gentleman named YT Cracker make an album called NES, which was Nerd Rap Entertainment System. Hmm. And so what he did was he took a lot of Nintendo beats and rapped on them uh, from his own perspective about those games and about his life and things like that. Later, I saw a guy named Del the Funky Homo Sapien do a song called Protoculture, where he rapped about his love for Sega Dreamcast, you know. And things like that. But I hadn't really seen anyone do it throughout an entire album and maintain like a, you know, a concept tied to one particular game or 
or project or product, but I searched the internet far and wide when I first started doing this to see if there was anyone who did it already. And the closest I found was um, video game music. So it was guys like the mini bosses, uh, the megas, the advantage, and guys who would just kind of cover Nintendo tunes. But none of them had lyrics attached to them. And there was none in hip hop at all. You know, so I felt like, wow, this is a lane that is completely wide open. And so I'm going to just try it. But again, I wasn't trying it thinking that it would go viral or blow up or sustain me. It was just creating something in a space that where there had where it hadn't been done before. Sure. And uh, knowing that I would enjoy it and just hoping that there were other kids like me who would enjoy it. So after that break of, you know, Reddit and the, the viral side of things, what was the progression to where you are now? Because I know that there's been a lot of appearances at different events and uh, being on different podcasts, like you were on IGN's Beyond podcast, and I imagine that brought a lot more attention to you. I think that was where I first saw you, or maybe it was Colin and Greg Live, but was it just ta- tapping into these different communities that would be become fans of yours? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, so the path is kind of like this. I felt like once I created Black Materia, uh, started traveling a lot more, doing conventions, uh, jumping on podcasts, much like this one, <laughs> and uh, talking to great hosts like yourself. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think just I think and through that, through those talking to folks and meeting folks at different conventions, people saw that my, you know, love for the video game community was something that was real it wasn't something that was forced or manufactured or packaged and uh and i think that that went a long way i think authenticity i can't speak today authenticity is just so important to the full package and i think that when people meet me and realize that this is something that i i live and and you know enjoy in my everyday life i think that helped a lot so through traveling i just made such a huge network of friends colleagues who went on to do amazing things like start podcasts, like, you know, host talk shows and get great jobs writing for IGN or Nintendo Power or things like that. And uh, and these people were friends and supporters who just really just wound up doing awesome things and uh, and then inviting me along the way, you know, so it was really lucky. But I think it all comes down to just being a good and genuine person mm-hmm. and uh, and just kind of letting the rest go. Uh, I immediately was ready for a follow-up, and I think that a lot of things that kind of blow up virally kind of hurt people because they're not always ready to follow up the initial success. Uh, During the MC Chris tour in 2011, I was working on a follow-up to the Mega Man album because Capcom announced Mega Man 10 would be coming out. And I had some friends there who worked at Capcom who told me about it and sent me early copies of the soundtrack so that I could take a listen and if there was some sort of, you know, something that jumped out to me, they encouraged me to write songs about it. So I did. I started working on an album, which I put out later on in 2011, which was Mega Man 10. And it was all based on the Mega Man 10 uh, game. So I think being ready and following up that with more music and more content was, was key to what I was doing. And basically just not stopping, you know, mm. I felt like... I had to keep putting out music. I had to keep touring and uh, I had to keep things going. But uh, I met amazing people who uh, continued to help me along the way. Key Murdoch and I 
made an album called Forever Famicom, which I think is probably both of our like masterpieces, you know, outside of the Black Materia world. Uh, and I think it was just a way to bring the gaming side of us and the hip hop side of us together and make it palatable to a point where gamers could appreciate the hip hop and hip hoppers could appreciate the gaming. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think that that's really what I've been fighting for. I think probably for the last close to a decade is, you know, fighting the occasional YouTube comment who says, I don't want hip hop with my gaming or I don't want hip hop with my wrestling. I don't want gaming with my hip hop and things like that. And just, you know, understanding that it's, it's an acquired taste and a, and it's something that should be taken seriously and mm-hmm. done delicately and with uh, with both like fandoms in mind. Yeah, definitely. That's a really interesting way to, to think about it. What would you say, Rand, has been the hardest part of, of getting to where you are at the moment? Hardest part is that I'm literally a, uh, you know, I'm running on a hamster wheel. I think <laughs> that um, perpetual motion, what I talked about and not stopping, is very exhausting, you know. So I think that's the hardest part, you know. What I create may, you know, it barely keeps, you know, sustains me and keeps the lights on here. But as far as what the music industry and the gaming industry see, they see it as a niche thing that will not probably last. So I say that to say no one's throwing me huge checks, you know, for what I do or things like that. No one sees the marketability in what I do. Uh, So it's all self-funded. There's no big management team. There's no social media team. There's no booking agent there's no uk booking agent there's no japan booking agent it's me sending emails and shaking hands and smiling and giving high fives and hugs and um you know without a representative and so it can be very draining uh so the hardest part i think is just trying to maintain friendships and and family life while literally juggling you know 10 cups of water (laughs) you know man (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a grind, but you're putting in work and you're doing it because you love it, and that probably makes it a little easier. Absolutely. There's one thing that I'm interested in regarding what you just mentioned about the hard work, because when I think about the culture and the community that you're part of, I think about one that wasn't probably ready for what you're doing maybe 15 years ago or 20 years ago, when maybe you were first deciding to go into teaching or maybe the internet wasn't at a place where it would spread it in such a viral manner do you think that nerd culture becoming so much more mainstream has helped you and how much i think it's definitely helped and um it's it's gone on to affect some things that i do a lot of what i started off was dealing in in the retro and things that i grew up with that gave me a really great feeling when i was at a formative age and uh and playing video games or comic books or anime or whatever but you know then later on shows happen like stranger things or things that inspire me that are currently you know uh, popular so this giant boom in nerd culture uh, doesn't have much effect on me honestly it doesn't it doesn't make my albums sell any better or faster or get more downloads i think that it is great because i think it what it does do is that it that wasn't going on 15 years ago is that it inspires the next me to get started, right. you know, and I think that's the best thing about it is that the next Mega Ran is probably already well into what he's doing. And um, and when I meet younger guys that are 25, you know, 30 even that are writing nerdy rap songs, 
that makes me feel really special to know that these kids know that there's a space for it now. And, um, and back when I did it, there wasn't a space. And, you know, I faced a lot of, I wouldn't say I faced backlash, but I faced the threat of backlash and the fear yeah. of backlash was very real, you know, when, um, when I first got started. But now there's no fear, you know? And I, I talk about that in a song. I have a song called uh, Now You Know, where I, I talk about how now it's cool to be a nerd, chic to be a geek. and But if you didn't get teased for things that you believe, then maybe you don't see it the same way I do, you know? Yeah. Things like that. So basically it gets into that whole thing about how, like, back in my day, you know, things were <laughs> a little bit... Uh, little harder but i think the best thing about it is that the road is smoother and people can see the light at the end of the tunnel they can say hey look but somebody says that's stupid why are you doing that they say look i can i can make a living off this look at mega ran you know it's cool now they have an example which i think is yeah and i guess apart from the couple of musicians you mentioned earlier that gave you the idea you didn't grow up with that at all no not at all what would be your advice to people who want to get into well, you've got a fairly a niche area there. So what if they want to get into your specific style of, of music and, and make a living at it? Or maybe they just want to move from their career into a career in music in general. Uh, I would say don't, <laughs> honestly. Um, this is something that's very, very risky. You know, I think that, I feel like you have to take so many chances, you know, and uh, I feel like if I had had a child or if I had been married sooner, a lot of the things that I'd done, I would have not been able to take the chance with so yeah well. uh it's super risky but um if you really believe in it uh, the best advice i can give to anybody is don't do it unless you really believe in it because it's not easy you know and people who make it look easy are because they have 10 years behind the scenes doing it you know that <laughs> you don't see so no one sees the legwork of me sending you know a thousand emails a day just hoping for one yes so i can connect the dot on my tour schedule between, yeah. I don't know, Manchester and Liverpool, you know? So it's, it's, it's just a really tedious thing that you have to fully want it, believe, believe it, and just want it so bad as you can taste it because it's, it's never going to be easy. Sure. So the people that do really want it to that level, what would be the advice to those people? Well, if they really want it, I think, you know, you got to take the time to get your music professionally mixed and mastered you can't do it all at home unless you you know unless you're well read and studied up on it but uh don't be afraid to seek feedback from you know honest people not just your circle of friends and um and uh i had a friend who told me when he gives advice to people he said find that one nerdy thing that you really love and uh and write a song about it and if it's good you know somebody else out there will agree with what you're saying Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and that's, I wouldn't give that advice because it makes it seem a little more easy, but it's not a bad way to start. You know, I think that, uh, a lot of folks who, who know who I am now only do that because of me writing about something that was really important to me. So I think it is good advice to write about the thing that you care about the most and, uh, the thing that you know the most about that, you know, more than anyone else write about it and then uh and and work on it really really hard just to make sure that it's super professional really good recording really good sound quality really good beat and uh and just always study the great study the legends you know if you rap study eminem you know if you sing 
You better study Prince. Or if you're playing guitar, you better study Hendrix. You yeah. know, um, I always say study the greats, you know, and uh, use, utilize as much of their tutelage as possible. Sure. Which, uh, which podcaster should I be studying? <laughs> well, gosh, there's so many, but... Uh, <laughs> Gosh, I don't have know. Have podcasts been around long enough to have greats? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, NPR makes some really great stuff. Uh, yeah. So I always say, yeah, study all all songs considered or study some anything that NPR does because I love the um, snap judgment, things like that, where they get people to tell stories and then the stories get more and more engaging as the person just gives more and more. So I think and what they don't show you is that there is a person asking those questions and hmm. asking the right questions. And then they only record the person's response to it. So you get much more from that guest than you, you might've thought you would get. So, yeah. All right. So this is the last question that I usually ask, but then I've got a few quick hitters for you just because I might not get another chance to chat with you Rand. So if you could do anything and know that you wouldn't fail, what would you do? <laughs> Wow. Okay. If I could do anything and I knew that I wouldn't fail. Wow. I would I would start a record label. I think I would. And uh, I would make sure to fund all of the people that I love that I've played shows with all around the world that the rest of the world doesn't know about uh that's what i would do i would throw everything i had into a independent record label that was uh based on small niche indie acts and uh and i would have a blast with that that's pretty cool that's a good answer for the top of your head i think (laughs) is it just the financial barrier the main thing for that one yeah, yeah, because it it does take finances and, you know, it also takes resources. I think I've tried, uh, I run a record label now that's just basically three people and that's hard enough, hmm. you know. I know that with me as a fully active artist, also trying to give resources and to other artists can spread resources thin, you know. Yeah. So it's just knowing that, you know, so I would love to have the finances to be able to hire the right people to do the right things instead of each person having 17 jobs you know you can hire 17 people to do it finances are a tough thing in the music industry i guess because i know like you give away a lot of your music for free but then you have to mm-hmm. weigh up where do you where do you make your money from and and how much are you going to charge and all that kind of thing don't you yep it's it's a very tough thing it's it's not easy finances i think really do make the world go around but i i hate to whine about finances because like there's a lot that can be done without, you know, without a bunch of money and uh, just take some creativity. Mm. So I, I don't like to let artists hide behind that. Like, man, if I had more money to put behind this, yeah. then <laughs> I would be successful. And it's like, well, I don't know about that. You know, I think if some people had a bunch of money, they would be lazy and not, you know, put put money into the right places or or do it the right way. Yeah, that's a good way of thinking about it. It's like the the eye the tiger kind of argument. Yep. Okay, so a few quick questions for you. What was it like being... Was it SmackDown on SmackDown uh, this yes. year? Oh, man, that was amazing. It was 
probably the the coolest thing that's ever happened <laughs> to me and uh and it was just uh you know it was luck you know as you mentioned i'm a pretty hard guy to catch up with and um even harder to catch up with is uh guys who work for wwe so a good friend of mine xavier woods uh happened to be in my hometown of phoenix and asked me if i was in town and i'm like well actually i am and uh so it happened to work out and he's like well we got this crazy angle that we're writing where i'm going to propose a rap battle and uh and we suggested that we bring in a couple of rappers to just kind of be a part of it and they went for it and so (laughs) they're like okay we're gonna have wale and we're gonna have you and so just are you ready to do this and i was like well absolutely you know and uh and it just so happened again like if i would have had a gig and been not been able to make it then it would have never happened that's awesome so it just was it happened to be fourth of july and uh a really awesome time and to be able to do that in front of the the city that i live in and it was great you know the response was awesome the segment was super well done uh being able to sit backstage literally the entire day it's just a a huge game of hurry up and wait where you are you're there at 10 a.m and you don't do anything until 4 (laughs) p.m you know and uh but just being around all these people that you grew up watching and idolizing and watching the the process was i think the most amazing thing is just seeing road dog come in with scripts and handing the scripts to everybody and people suggesting changes on scripts and someone having to call Vince and ask for a change and doing adding props and us going to costuming and you know things like that so it was just a really really a uh, surreal experience something I never ever thought I would experience in my life but uh just kind of got mm-hmm. lucky with that one yeah I mean they called and you answered so that, that's pretty cool it would be a fascinating look behind the curtain literally yeah so okay next question what's your game of the year for 2017 uh well um without a doubt i have to say it is zelda breath of the wild um game was so fun i'm still playing it um cooking and coming up with new things Hmm. all the time and uh man it's it's so much fun so i'm really uh, really glad I got a switch basically for that game and uh, I'm still really enjoying it. So it's so good. Yeah. And uh, I can't, I can't uh, say enough. I mean, it's a close second maybe with super Mario odyssey, but, uh, but there's just so much you can do. And, um, with the, with Zelda, that is by far my favorite. I think a lot of people agree with you on that one. Uh, this is more for more <laughs> for my listeners than for myself, but what would be your hip hop album of the year? Oh no, album, hip hop album. All right, so I think I'm caught between Jay Z's four 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 and Kendrick Lamar's "Damn." Uh, I think those are my two favorites uh, for two different reasons, but um, I think the Jay Z album, just hearing Jay Z in a vulnerable place that I'd never heard him come from before, was really awesome to hear. And um, and Kendrick is just rapping on another level, just at a higher level than anything probably that's ever been yeah. done. And uh, and so on top of that, it's just super top notch production. So it's just been really great to see 
uh, Kendrick's like rise to to just like the king of of rap. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. That you pick him alongside Jay Z. It's kind of like past and present in some ways. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You know, it's good. Okay, and the last one. What's your most anticipated video game for 2018? Well, I mean, can I count Red Dead Redemption? Yeah, I, mean, I would. It doesn't it doesn't even have a date. I don't think. <laughs> Well, it was delayed from this year, so we can assume next year, I think, safely. Let's hope so. <laughs> All right. So that's by far got to be. I just hope it's this year. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. Thanks so much for your time, Rand. It's, it's great to have you on the show. I got to meet you in San Francisco at Kind of Funny Live 3. Oh, nice. But I uh, didn't have a chance to talk like this, so it's great. Thank you. Shout out to Megan Rand. Keep putting in work. Today, we open a new book. The pages are blank. We are going to put words on them ourselves. This book is called Opportunity, and the first chapter is Happy New Year. Can't go forward without going back, so let's break it down. Make a rant. Changes in the wind, another year begins, and we use productions officially end. All good, Nintendo had to plan the plans for March 3rd when the Switch would land. And since that day, it hasn't left my hands. You could really end the song right here. But since it's only been 30 seconds, I probably have to continue. Okay, yeah. Xbox lost another exclusive, making dual console ownership just useless. E3 opened its doors to the public, so it was overcrowded. I can't say I loved it. I gotta shout out Bethesda. Fallout 4 became its best-selling game like ever. Horizon Zero Dawn, nice endeavor. But let me tell you about that new Zelda. Two million copies sold in a month, left every gamer and parent on the same hunt. By far, that's my game of the year. Persona 5 got cheers, heck of a premiere. Nintendo was winning, so they wreaked some havoc. When they announced an S in the Yes Classic, said it wouldn't be as hard to find. That, my friends, would turn out to be a lie. Atari did one too, but nobody cared. Switch made room, arms of Splatoon. Resident Evil scared the bejesus out of me. Play your unknowns, battlegrounds, undoubtedly surprised of the year, leaving trigger fingers blistered. So good it made PewDiePie say the N word. Mass Effect Andromeda had a hopes high, but the early word on it was that it was so dry. And I'm not hating. Facial animations made the characters look like they had a stroke on both sides. Sad news hits in the month of May. Red Dead Redemption 2 is delayed. Wasn't much really the rock star could say. Seven months later, we still don't have a date. And just as Drew drops the high reviews in the Xbox One X, exciting news. Confusing name, but the specs are impressive. Yo, where the game's at, though? That's my only question. Kyrie Irving made the NBA his plaything. No surprise he hit the cover on 2K18. Cause we all agreed on his greatness, especially the Celtics. Then he got traded. Sonic Mania, Crash and Cuphead. O's to the retro style, and I loved it. Destiny 2 remains my jam. I get it in with my clan still whenever I can. Hellblade, super difficult but looks stunning. Super Mario Odyssey, long time coming. Felt good, played better and still shine. First game I beat in a really long time. Had a blast shooting Nazis and Wolfenstein. The usual games drop at holiday times. But EA put the whole game in a backspin with the Star Wars microtransactions. 
Real money for in-game cheats? Just too much to handle, man, it's got to cease. I guess they agreed, and they pulled him from the game. Damage was done, though, too little, too late. But overall, I think the year was great, though. I went to E3 and the Tokyo Game Show. I enjoyed Mega Maker, and five bucks to anyone who understood that Death Stranding trailer. Still hustled, still did a gang of tours, still no invite to the Game Awards, but ending my year at Twitch HQ as the Capcom staff unveils some great news. Mega Man 11 coming next year, I'm betting everyone except Inafune cheered, yeah. I dropped an LP, it's called Extra Credit, and if you haven't heard it yet, man, go on and get it. And I learned that great minds can change things, respect games, they're fine like paintings, artwork, show more love, less hating, consider the repercussions before you say things, I'ma still do what I do and slay things, I wish you great things in 2018. Peace. Neo.